Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the She Built This podcast. Okay, yes, I am punchy. Yes, I have been recording a few intros back to back and task batching for the win. And yes, I am equally thrilled to be here with you today. Um, I'm wicked excited for today's guest, Shay Wheat. She's going to open your mind to a world of possibilities around events and also give us uh, her take on like putting her finger on the pulse of what she's been seeing go down in event town this past year. As always, I do not like to be rude. So if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I'm Emily Aborn. I'm the leader and founder of She Built This, a community for women entrepreneurs who, quite frankly, are as excited as I am about building businesses and the lives of their dreams. And I am also a content writer. So I take all of those um, headache-inducing content writing tasks off the plates of my clients and do it for them. If you want to learn more about She Built This, you can visit www.shebuiltthis.org. Didn't need to say the www. And if you want to learn more about me and how I help you with your content writing tasks, you can visit emilyaborn.com. If you are new here and you love this episode, there's more where this came from. So be sure that whatever podcast app you're using, you follow, subscribe, like, I don't know, whatever it tells you to do, make sure that you are the first to hear these episodes when they come out every Wednesday. Oh, that was one breath. Okay. I have not shared this story on my podcast yet. I don't think. But for those of you who are there, I'm going to invite you to relive this moment with me. This year, She Built This had two major events. Um, Next year, I'm going to be doing two more of the same scale as well. Uh, But this past June, we had a summer gala at a local venue in Milford, New Hampshire. And there were 100 women attending from Massachusetts and New Hampshire to enjoy connecting, hear a panel, get together again. For some, this was like um, they hadn't gotten together since the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like a true She Built This reunion. Everyone was so excited. The day was slightly too warm, but mostly perfect weather. And everything about the day and the event was off to a really, really great start. As I stood up to take the microphone, one thing I immediately noticed is that the mics were not working so well. Think like, check one, two, check one, two, ooh. One attendee said that she felt right at home because she felt like it was being, it was like being on Zoom (laughs) with bad internet connection, which is hilarious, but not when you're trying to speak to 100 people in an outdoor setting and not when you're me and you hate shouting. Um, So there was no like, I couldn't find a tech person or our vent point person. So we did what we could and mostly I just had to kind of like grin and bear it. Well, about halfway, nearly three quarters of the way through the event, through the the panelists speaking, the sprinklers on the lawn 
went off on myself and the three panelists who were sitting by my side. They It soaked us. The microphone, the sound system, my cell phone, a couple people's purses, my notes, pretty much everything that was up there just absolutely soaked. So as this is happening, I'm looking around and once again, I was unable to locate a point person to turn said sprinklers off or to help us with the now like piercing sound system that sounded like it was going to electrocute us all. So myself and the panelists, we sort of, uh, we had to wrap up, like kind of huddled over in a corner on the side of the lawn. And um, I had to kind of remember like, okay, what on earth did I plan for, for the end? Like I like to stay present and not rely on my notes heavily or just look at my notes when I need a little reminder and not have it all planned out in my head. Unfortunately, my notes were underwater um, and I did have like a lot I wanted to say around, you know, gratitude for those who helped plan, pitch in to help, sponsor and those who attended the event. And like I said, it's really hard for me to shout. So that didn't go over so easily. Um, I also had raffle prizes to give out and the sponsor was supposed to get a moment to share their message as well. But with no mic, no notes, uh, it made it really hard to wrap up the very best way possible. And honestly, it came off a little, mm, I want to say, in She Built This Land, in my my standard and uh, way of doing things, it kind of came off a little half-assed, I think, at best. Now, in my mind, as the event host, it was like catastrophic, okay? It was all I could do not to just start crying the second I stepped down and bid everyone farewell, like burning hot tears in my eyes, <laughs> offsetting the cold sprinkler water. It was my my friend Casey Matthews, actually, who looked at me and said, do not cry yet, Emily. Wait until this is over and you get into your car and then you can cry. Now, Casey wasn't telling me to like repress my emotions. She is the kind of person who's all about emotions, but she knew that everyone in the audience had had a great time. They thought it was funny as could be. It was comedic relief. And so she said, you know, she was just wise enough to tell me like, okay, give it a second. Do not react right now in your emotions. Honestly, the audience, the attendees, they thought it was hilarious. I mean, there were reels all over social media showing us all getting drenched. There was a meme of one of the panelists like spreading her arms out to cool off while the sprinkler was dowsing her and she was just like sitting there with a microphone in her hand being doused. But for me, it had way bigger repercussions than just an abrupt ending, okay? First of all, it didn't give me the opportunity to ensure that my guests experienced the quote event promise, which is what my guest is going to talk about in this episode. I didn't get to give them that effectively. And it had ripple effects, some I know about and some I don't know about, one of which I can all but guarantee that that venue missed out for sure on the business of 100 local women from potentially ever hosting their event there again. Another was that some of the attendees who were new to She Built This and new to She Built This events, they kind of saw it as messy and used this experience to make their decision not to attend one of our future events, which was like actually indicative of what She Built This is capable of. And it was phenomenal. And I'm sure that there were other ripples and outcomes that I'm not even aware yet 
of. And who knows? Like maybe some of those were good. Maybe some people saw old Emily up there and had a soft spot in their heart for me and liked me more. I don't know. Maybe some people appreciated, okay, she built this as like a real authentic true blue kind of organization without all the fluff. And I want to have what those people are having. But I do know this. I know that in the world of events, the impact that you create in that moment in that day, it's almost always bigger than just the day of or the night of or the moment that you sit down to go live or hit record or meet on Zoom. And that is why nodding back to all my collaboration episodes and conversations from October, I believe it's really important to be impeccably clear going in with what you want people to walk away with and experience the vision, right? And consider the before, during, and after as part of that experience, as part of that vision. If you don't know the story, She Built This was literally born from an event. We had an event locally with 165 women entrepreneurs show up in the same room, and they were all craving more inspiration, more connection. They wanted to keep on connecting and keep the energy from the event alive and going. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a She Built This Facebook group. And it's been growing and evolving and sprawling into an amazing community, both online and offline since 2018, since then. So my point being, you just never know what can happen in a room full of like-minded people coming together, bringing their unique energy and their perspectives to create something new. But I do know that it is almost always bigger than just that one thing, just that one experience. I'm learning slowly, but surely I'm no expert in this. So I said to myself, I need to bring in someone who is. And that's why I want to introduce you to today's guest, Shay Wheat. Shay Wheat is a certified event producer and creator of popular programs such as the Powerful Event Process, the Ultimate Event Planner Certification Program, and she is the CEO of Grace and Ease Productions Incorporated. Grace and Ease Productions supports clients in creating powerful and profitable events producing in-person and live virtual events from, get this, 50 to 4,000 attendees and collaborating with many well-known celebrities like Dr. Oz, Lisa Nichols, Dr. Clara Zimmett, Bill Barron, Allison Prince, Josh Turner, and many others. They assist speak to sell clients to be extremely profitable with their events. And just recently, they had a client generate over $2.1 million in one virtual live three-day event. Shay's team handles like all the planning, the speaker and sponsor support, uh, as well as the production of virtual live and in-person events to create experiential revenue generating and exciting events for attendees. Also, I just think you are absolutely going to love her. She is a ray of sunshine uh, and a very, very knowledgeable human being, human being in the event space. In our conversation, Shay will share why events are so stressful. Like, why is that so stressful as an event organizer and planner? Um, whether or not we are virtualed out when it comes to events 
all the different options there are when it comes to events and what kind of opportunities you can look at to see what might be right for you, depending on where you're at in your business and also what you need to think about before, during, and after in the event planning process. Before we hit record, Shay and I set an intention for you in listening to this to get excited about the new year, about 2023, and start imagining what that's going to look like for you and your business, depending on your level of growth and where you want to expand. Um, So without further ado, as I always say, I could uh, do all day. I hope you love Shay as much as I did, and I hope that you get a lot out of this conversation. Hi, Shay, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hello, hello. How are we doing today? I'm doing outstanding. In hey, your words. <laughs> yes. Come on now, Emily. I love it. Outstanding. I'm phenomenal. <laughs> um, let me know if you prefer me to call you Grace because I, <laughs> I heard you also go by that name. <laughs> Grace and Ease Productions. Heck yeah. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Shay and I were talking before you folks started listening about how uh, I heard a podcast of hers where the, the host kept calling her Grace, which is a lovely name. It's my middle name. Um, I think it's it has wonderful attributes. So I love that that's in your business name. And I guess that brings me to my first question. Okay. First of all, I mean, like, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And then how did that, how, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And how did that, uh, how was that the impetus for Grace and Ease Productions? Tell us the whole story. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. So did not grow up wanting to be a certified event producer. I actually grew up wanting to become a doctor, um, a medical doctor. And in that, um, specifically a DO, which is a doctor of osteopathic medicine, more of a holistic approach to supporting the individual and the body versus just kind of giving pills. And as I was going through the journey in school and, you know, where I wanted to go and sitting there in my organic chemistry class going, fudge, this is not it. This is not how I'm supposed to help people. This is not how, what I'm supposed to do in the world. Now what? Um, okay. So and I, that was, and that was in what grade? That was my second year in college. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, I had already had it planned. I was like, okay, I'm getting all of these loans, not loans, but all of these grants and everything else. So I would not have to get loans until I actually went into medical school. You know, I had it all planned out. I'm planning, right? Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of went, okay, now with it, what in the world do I do? And I was in a network marketing company. So I'm like, well, let's play with this for a little bit. Let's develop people. I love personal development. I love attending events. We'll see where life takes me. Um, And I'm also a Reiki master. I became a Reiki master afterwards, and which is an energetic healer, and kind of went down that path and just kind of seeing where the world was like, Shay, go this direction. And I went, okay. To the point where I was speaking on a stage about appreciation marketing and I was messing around with the guy that had the microphone ahead of me and I'm like, hey, dude, don't go spitting on my mic. And he was like, oh my God, you're funny. Who are you? (laughs) Uh, Come to find out he was like the head of education for Dr. Oz's nonprofit, 
which was in the same city that I lived in. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I met his sister, Saval, at a women's conference that I was helping them and supporting and volunteering at. And he's like, wait, hold on. Uh, She's best friends with our CEO and we're doing a women's conference. You should help us. And I looked at him and went, okay. (laughs) And that's kind of how I got started in producing events. My first role as an associate producer was being in charge of over 70 speakers and over 100 volunteers. Wow. Okay. I just have to ask how that felt at that time. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a little bit of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I just know the next best step and this is what has to happen next. And I kind of break it down. But, you know, a little bit of that imposter syndrome was coming up going, am I really somebody that's going to be supporting Dr. Oz's nonprofit? Like, I'm just this chick that lives downtown is an apartment complex manager because I had no business. I had no money and I was trying to figure things out. Right. Um, So I, I had that imposter syndrome for sure. Okay. So here's a question for you. I, I find, I know the steps to planning an event and I've done it a million times and I could do it in my sleep. It still does end up being stressful in one way or another. And so I'm curious to hear if A, that's the case for you and why you think that might be. And then like just wanting, I, I, after that, let's unpack some of those feelings that come along with planning live or virtual events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So events absolutely can be stressful. And events, in my opinion, are their own living, breathing entity. No matter how many times I support my clients with the same event year over year, each one is different. And the reason being is the audience is different. The state of the world is different. How they're showing up is different. You as the event host are different every single time you do it. And with it being its own kind of entity, it takes on the energy of what is happening. And I also feel that events are the best way for people to move and to take action and to step into the next best version of themselves. And anytime you do that, there's going to be emotions, there's going to be feelings, there's going to be passions, and there's going to be things that are coming up within them. And that's what makes them so powerful that are released into, you know, the, the, the event itself. So really well said. And and I agree with you that they are like I have said that at the past two of my events, like we are never going to have this exact formula of people and date and time and energy in the same room ever again. Like even if we do this exact same event in the exact same place next year, it will be different. Yep. Um, and that to me means that everybody that is there, everybody that says yes to showing up, including you as the organizer, are there for a reason. So mm-hmm. I love you talking about that like evolution of the event organizer even because that is so true and it's something I have completely missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like we have the systems. We have the standard operating procedures. We have the checklist. We have the tasks. And yet we also know that we get to be fluid and flexible. And that's where the grace and ease comes in. We plan it as best as we possibly can. And then we allow the universe and source and God or whatever it is for you to show up and bring that added piece that needs to come through. 
And then in the event itself, we also look at, okay, how are people showing up? What What's landing? What's not landing? And how do we then, you know, pivot to support what it is that they really need? And that's why we show up. You know, we look at a thing called an event promise. Every single event we do, whether people do business with you or not after the event, there is an event promise. And our goal is to hit that event promise because that's why they're showing up. That's Mm -hmm. why they're paying their money. That's why they're sharing their time. That's why they're taking it out of their lives to come is order to get that event promise. So we want to make sure we're actually delivering that and then tweaking it and adjusting it when they're actually there. Really beautifully said. Um, All right. I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts uh, specifically around benefits of events and different kinds. But first, I have to ask you the burning question. (laughs) What is the pulse right now as we're heading into 2023 live versus virtual? Like, what are you noticing? And are we just quite frankly, like completely virtual evented out? (laughs) Well, um, I, I think we are not necessarily virtualed out. Um, So you have a couple of things in the space right now. You've got live in person, you've got virtual live, you've got hybrid. And then the the new thing that doesn't quite have in a name yet that people are calling hybrid is what I just ended up completing with one of my clients, where we literally did two events. And I had two teams, I had two AV teams, I had two production teams, I had two support teams. And that is a whole nother beast. (laughs) So what I'm seeing is people are lethargic. Um, They're in this state where it's like, well, let me just see what happens. But really what it comes down to is they're really desperate for inspiration. So yeah, yeah. And connection, I think. Connection. Yeah, because we've been locked away. And, you know, we've seen people virtually for a while, and then there's that draw to be back in person. But with the draw to be back in person, it's like, well, there's also the the, the out. Or I'll, I'll just convert my ticket to a virtual event. You know, the dog has a cold and I can't go uh, type of thing, right? So it, it's that give and take. It's that push and pull. It's the do I really want to get on a plane and go all the way across the country to an event? Or is it just easier, quote unquote, easier to stay at home and watch it? And then it just turns into shelf help um, because I'm going to let other things show up. Or am I actually being really dedicated to showing up for my transformation? So it depends on what's going on with the person. And we can't change what the circumstances are at home for our audience members. But what we can do is knowing that, you know, one of the biggest stressors is filling the room for a lot of event hosts. Numbers are down, show up rates. I've seen some people are reporting 50% of their audience actually showing up. That's crazy to me. Um, So how do you combat that? How do you really take a stand for your audience who have raised their hand and said, yes, I want to go. There's something of value that you are saying that I want to learn. I'm going to come. How do you then stand in the fire with them and support them when those lethargic type moments happen? That's when you as the event host have to change and adjust what it is that you're doing. You really have to take a look at, okay, um, I'm not only going to 
email you and confirm that you're showing up. I'm going to have my team call you and make sure you have all the information. I'm going to, you know, double check your address so I can send you your swag box. I'm going to send you a text. You have to do multiple touches now to make sure they actually have the information. They're excited about it. You know, as the event host, why they're coming. So if you need to, you know, adjust your run a show to make it so it actually is extra valuable for your audience to show up and be with you during the event. That's what um, I, I definitely agree with you with show up rates being lower. Um, thank God I haven't experienced 50% yet, mm-hmm. but 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 probably like 70, 80, which I think is still not fantastic. Um, um, you know, if I think 80... I, Ideal would be 90% show up rate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, 80 is not so bad, but you're going to have to make sure that you are actually implementing those, you know, three or four things I mentioned earlier on into your action plan. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that answer. That was fantastic. And it's good to know, I think, as a person, you know, just anybody listening that is putting on events and saying, like, why is this happening? I mean, this is a bigger picture thing. This is not just you. This is not just your event. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Shay, when you put something out there and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to come. I want to come. And then no one signs up. Like, what is happening with that? Because I have seen that happen time and time again. Really? Um, yeah, I find that fascinating because I'm all about market research. So ask your audience what it is that they need, you know, whether it be a little bit of a survey or, you know, come on and I'm doing an open Q&A. What do you want to learn right now? Market research is gold. Um, I've heard some people call it mining for gold, asking your audience what they want. Now, there is, if they're not showing up, then it's not sticky enough, right? So it's like, yeah, I want to come, but why are they not showing up would be the next question of, okay, is it worth their time? Is it worth their money? Is it worth the energy? Do they have to find daycare? Do they have to fly across the country? In your questioning, yes, they want the topic. But are you asking them how they want it delivered? Do they want it as a one hour summit for four days um, over a lunch break? Or are they wanting a three day event where they can just knock it all out and walk away with X, Y, and Z? You know, what, what is happening with your audience that is allowing them to go, yeah, I'm interested, but it's not worth me investing the time, money, energy, and effort because it's the wrong platform. That's a great point. Um, okay, so let's get into some of these different types of events because I think that there are probably more types than we think um, and, and just imagining what they can possibly look like and then maybe um, exploring how you might opt for a certain one depending on where you're at in your business or where what kind of thing you are looking to give and also receive from the mm-hmm. event. Yeah, absolutely. So there are probably now over 17 different types of events that you can be utilizing in your business to grow your business. I've just come up with 17. I probably, if I sat down, I could come up with a couple more, but what is that? What are the 17 different types? There's a 90 minute workshop, which can be seen as like a masterclass. There are summits, which is over multiple days or it's with multiple speakers. There's a retreat. You can do a mastermind. You could do a one-day sales and enrollment event where you're offering your low-ticket program or package or offering. 
You can do a three-day sales and enrollment event where you're offering your high-ticket program. Uh, There's seminars and podcasts. Like, did you know, Emily, this is actually an event? I feel like it is, but I didn't want to put that much pressure on you. So, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Uh, Same thing goes for meetups and Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives, Clubhouse Rooms, conferences, challenges, hackathons, conventions, trade shows. These are all different types of events. And the thing is, you want to be utilizing different events based on the different phases of event leverage that you're in. So if you're somebody that's super brand new, I'm not going to have you do a three-day sales and enrollment event because if you're brand new, your primary goal is to, one, make sure you have clients, um, two, getting them crazy awesome results tweaking, adjusting, doing the market research, making sure that you can get them those crazy awesome results to the point where you have eight to 10 full paying clients. Then you start going, okay, I've got something here. Now I need to move into phase two, which is visibility, where your goal is to do just that, become visible. And because in business, you probably don't have a ton of cash flow in the beginning, you're going to want to start taking a look at utilizing the free platforms for your visibility, your your Facebook Lives, your Clubhouse Rooms, your Instagrams. You want to start looking at being a guest on other people's stages, other people's webinars, their podcasts, their summits. And you can also start looking at sponsoring events and being a speaker sponsor. Um, you want to make sure when you do any type of sponsorship, though, that they are hosting your ideal niche or your avatar or your ideal client. Otherwise, you're just kind of throwing the money out the window. So it's fascinating to me that I have people come and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to do this event for a thousand people. And I'm like, that's great. Tell me about, you know, how we're supporting them and what is the event promise and what are we doing in the end? And they're like, oh, I don't know any of that. I don't even have a business. And you're like, "Okay, let's back it up. (laughs) Start at at phase one and then let's go ahead and progress you through the five phases to the point where it builds on itself. So basically, don't jump into something when you're not quite at that phase yet because it's not going to serve. First of all, it's not going to serve the most number of people. It's not going to serve them in the best way. And it's also not going to serve your business in the best way. Exactly. I'm all for helping um, people create powerful and profitable events. So it's important that you go through, again, it's a system. We break it down. What is the end result? And then we break it down from there in order to create um, a community for you as well. So that way you're scaling and leveraging in a way that will support you, your business and your clients. And one thing I really love, I'm always talking about collaborations and using, not not using is not the right word. I'm still trying to replace that word. Um, uh, sharing one another's community and platforms to increase both of your visibility. Mm-hmm. And that said, just like you said with the sponsorships, you don't want to be in a community that is like not your right people. Like it's just not going to work for either of you. So I love that you brought that home with even just something as simple as sponsorships. Like you need to think about it and say like, okay, does, is this my ideal client that's going to be in this room? Don't just throw your money at the next event that comes your way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's so many other things that we can talk about on sponsorship when you're 
having sponsors for your event and when you are being a sponsor at somebody else's event, what are the safeguards that you need to have in place for, like we were talking earlier about the show up ratios and the actual ideal audience and can you make offers or is it a free gift and what are all of those nuances that you deserve to think through so it does become a win-win. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the things that you do need to actually consider, like the nuts and bolts of it before, during, and after an event. Because I think that we would agree in this. The event is not just the day of. It's not just the night of. It is a um, before, during, and after nurturing and making sure that event promise stays true the entire way through. Yeah, absolutely. I like to think of it as um, the event fundamentals. So you're going to, I mean, when we, we produce events for our clients, we're doing a good at least three months prior. If I can wow. have, and depending on the type of event, um, I might need more time, right? If we're going to be doing an in-person or a hybrid or two events at the same time, I'm going to need more time to find the venue and the location and get the contracts negotiated versus if we were doing it in one of my studios that I have across the country, or we're creating a studio within your own home office. We're going to need different kind of timelines, but a good number is at least three months because you also need to market and tell people that you're hosting the event in the first place. And they need to see it like 50 million times before they know that it's happening. Like, oh, I never saw that. I'm like, I have posted it 20 times. Right. And a lot of event hosts are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to burn out my list. I'm going to burn out, you know, all of the, the marketing. And it's like, they don't see it. They're scrolling, right? So they don't see it every single time. But your event fundamentals. So um, if you're grabbing a pen and paper, go ahead and write this down. The first one is... Who is your audience and how are you doing the ticket sales? How are you filling the room? And the way that we do this is through a ticket map. So we are literally mapping out all the different ways that you are marketing your event to have them pick up a ticket. Is Are you going to be doing um, speaking engagement on other people's stages? Are you doing Facebook Lives? Are you doing a bring a friend contest? Are you having referral sources? Are you... Having joint venture partners, are you, you know, what are all the different ways? FYI, speaking gigs are still the fastest way to fill your room. Yep. Whether you're on your own stage or you're on somebody else's stage or you're hosting a masterclass or you're doing a podcast. Podcasts are a little bit more long tail, but, you know, it's still the speaking that is going to allow you to really connect with your audience the fastest. So that's Yep, I would one. agree with that. Yeah. The second one is your run a show. What in the world are you actually going to be doing and teaching? <laughs> what is the agenda? Um, and are you doing it for a three-day event or are you doing it for a 90-minute masterclass? You still need all of these fundamentals regardless of whatever 17 different type of event you're doing. And you might be asking, really? I need a, a run a show for my Facebook Live? Yeah, Absolutely. What is the one content piece that you're going to be supporting your audience with? And what type of call to action do you have? Uh, sadly, I've seen some speakers get on other people's stages and not have some type of next step. We know that people are showing up wanting to listen to the content, wanting to get those aha moments. And a percentage of people are like, can you just do it for me? Can I just hire you? Or can you just give me the checklist that I need? 
And so that's where your call to action, whether it be a free gift or something paid, you want to make sure that you actually include into, which runs into event fundamental number three, your offer strategy. What is that call to action? How are you supporting them in their next best step? Number four is your support team. You you should not be doing this by yourself. I'm like, wait, <laughs> did, is that crickets I just heard? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Emily here has got a team that will take her podcast and go ahead and do all of the behind the scenes to get it set up. So then it's going to go out onto the social media and, you know, an admin assistant that's probably supporting her getting things set up and having guests show up and making sure she has all the assets and so she can promote it. Same thing goes for your masterclass. Same thing goes for your three-day enrollment event. Same thing goes for your uh, trade show. You need support. You cannot be the lone ranger doing this. You are the talent. You are the CEO. And you deserve to have a team that's supporting you and making sure that everything else behind the scenes is running smoothly. So I would like to clear up a misconception. I do not have a team doing a lot of those things. However, I have uh, help in my business in other ways. Um, When I'm doing an event, I have learned the hard way that it totally sucks when you try to do it all yourself. And it's not that maybe you're not capable. You don't want to be doing that. No. No, you're not registration and talent and making sure yeah. that the yeah. coffee is showing up or, you know, the timer for the break is working properly or playing the music or, you know, chewing the slides. There's just a lot. And honestly, for you to be the event host, your audience is showing up for what it is that you are delivering. I want your focus to be completely there and not worried about is the coffee gone cold? I said at our last She Built This event, I had a really great collaborator, like somebody that just we we had so many people involved helping that it just went so smoothly and wonderfully. And I stood up and I was like, I think this is the first time I've ever actually attended one of my events. (laughs) Like, like, you know, that feeling when you are just present because you're not worrying about the timer or the music or whatever the thing is that somebody needs you to get your last minute opinion on. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that also allows for those grace and ease moments that come in where you're like, okay, this was the divine download that just came through right now. Hey team, FYI, we're going to shift a little bit. um, And this is what we're going to do now. And it ends up serving the audience that much more. Okay. And then where, I don't know, I lost track of where we are in the fundamentals. I'm sorry. Um, Your fifth event fundamental is your budget. Yeah. You know, what are you going to pay? Are you, is it, do you have a budget? You probably don't necessarily have a monetary budget for a Facebook live, but maybe you're planning on boosting it. So then you would, but this, you know, definitely also plays into your time budget. You know, um, what does that look like? If you're investing the time, that's still a part of your budgeting. So five event fundamentals, your audience and your ticket sales, your run a show, your offer strategy, your support team, and your budget. 
And I imagine those are things that you help people to think of every step of the way, because a lot of people listening will be like, well, I don't even know where to start with a budget. You know, I don't know how much food costs or how much lighting costs or sound production or Mm -hmm. any of those other lovely things that go into making an event behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got all the templates. We've got all of the what's happening now, because what prices were pre-pandemic and what prices are now are totally different. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you think shifting gears a little bit? Um, I'd like to get into some, one more serious question and then a couple fun questions. Okay. Um, do you have in the event space or maybe related to something else in the online entrepreneurial business world? Uh, do you have an unpopular opinion that you would like to share? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know the buzzword right now is hybrid and people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, do what I've been doing and have people in front of me and I can talk to the virtual audience and hybrid doesn't work. Uh, It doesn't work at all. (laughs) The numbers are worse. Um, There's more headaches to it. You have, it hits your budget harder. Um, You have to essentially think through two events. And what ends up happening is when somebody ends up doing a hybrid event is one of the audience ends up becoming the ugly stepchild and you end up forgetting them. And what, what happens is Hmm. the, the event host will focus on one audience. So whether it be the in-person or the virtual, and then the other part of the audience is like, why am I even here? And they check out. Sadly. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I signed up for something as a virtual attendee this past fall, and mm-hmm. I never got to see the sessions that I thought I was going to see because it was like, oops, we weren't able to get a video camera in that room. Right. <laughs> that kind, There's yeah, a yeah. lot to think through. And it really is two separate events. You have to have two teams. You have to have two MCs. You have to have everything, two of everything. So my suggestion for my clients is choose one or the other. And it doesn't mean you can't do, you know, an in-person or a virtual, just do them separately. So if you want to start out in person and then six months later do virtual, fantastic. That works for me. But don't split your brain to add that extra stress, the extra headaches, the extra everything. Um, It's not worth it. You're actually going to have better results being in one or the other. And depending on the type of event you're looking to do and how many people, you know, the event you choose is actually going to be better when you choose one or the other. I could actually see it being an advantage to having something live Mm -hmm. and then saying, and then doing one virtually because the people that were all at the live are like, yes, we want more of that energy Mm -hmm. and are going to come virtually. The people that were looking at the live one going like, oh, I wish I didn't live in Texas. Mm -hmm. They're going to attend the virtual one and all of that just like builds upon itself. So I actually could see that being a huge advantage. Absolutely. It it, it means that you can go, okay, great. We're going to do in person. Um, we are going to do virtual in six months. Do you want me to put you on the wait list or I'll sell you the ticket now? Yeah, I love it. Okay. Are you ready or do you think you're ready for my rapid roundup questions? Oh, here we go. <laughs> when, I, when I say rapid, this isn't like a word vomit, like just take your time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So my first question, just a curiosity question I have about a lot of people. Um, Do you know your Enneagram type? And if so, what is it? 
you know, I think I have to go back and retake that test. I did it years ago, but I also feel I'm a bit of a chameleon <laughs> and I think it changes. Uh, so I don't know what it is off of the top of my head. Do you have an idea just based on what you've heard from me so far, what you think it would be? No idea. Um, but if you think you're a chameleon, you might be one of the ones that are like a little chameleon-y, which is like, I think a six or a nine. You'll see. It, yeah. It may- yeah, I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put ideas in your head. <laughs> so my problem with these tests, like you, you do kind of have to do a little research outside of the test because yeah. we all know how to take the test where it's like mm-hmm. this is you know like this is how I'm feeling or this is like my best self, and then it's not exactly an accurate depiction. So mm-hmm. um, I like to read about the the stuff more than I like to take the test. Yeah, but. I agree with you. I mean, I think I on one of the is it human dynamics. Human design. Human design, that one. Uh, I'm a manifesting generator. All right. Me too. High five. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. And then I also noticed you're a Reiki master, speaking of these things. So do you, I am fascinated by this. Do you use that in your event planning process? And I have to know if yes, how, if no, how. Yeah. Do you use it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So events um i look at it as we are creating this this bubble right so when everybody comes into the space we want to create a safe space um a lot of my clients are dealing with either emotional stuff or high energy things like i'm losing weight and there's a lot of emotion around that or you know i'm having relationship problems or i'm having money issues or i can't get my business off the ground or you know whatever the topic is there's always emotion around it so i utilize um reiki practice in creating a safe space and bubble for all those that come into the space to feel seen and heard We also utilize it in our grounding meetings with the team. So this is not just my team. This is also my client's team where I bring everybody together and it's like, okay, what are the intentions for ourselves? What are the intentions for the attendees? What are we drawing into the space? What are we wanting people to get out of it each and every single day? And then we also do check-in meetings. So that's one way that we utilize it. Um, I've also had very... um, if you want to call them quote unquote woo woo clients that are geeking out when I talk about crystals and want me to grid the room, you know, so I've done that for a couple of clients before as well. So I will do it energetically and I will also bring it into the space um, for those that aren't as woo woo, but we just use a different terminology because I feel that everything is energy. Awesome. Um, Okay. And then my last question which is more just her fun, who is the most famous, but I'm going to say like, who's either the most famous or the most exciting person you've ever worked with and planned an event with? Ooh, um, well, definitely everybody probably knows Dr. Oz. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've worked with his nonprofit and I've also, um, was on a different event that he was a guest speaker at. And there were some things that weren't going as well. And when his team found out that I was uh, like an associate producer on that event, they called me up and was like, Shay, we need you to take care of him. I'm like, I got you. Um, So that's one. And then the other would be Lisa Nichols, who most people might know from The Secret back in the day. 
Um, she's amazing. I've supported her since 2019 and actually had an opportunity to help her with her wedding. Now we don't actually plan weddings, but (laughs) of course she wanted to have a virtual component to it. So we helped her with that as well. I'll keep it on the DL that you planned <laughs> that you have with the wedding because I would never want to plan those either. Oh, um, okay. Now, just uh, to help us find and connect with you online and and maybe give us a um, sampling of what you help people with in, in event production so that we know. And then like your website, anything you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find us on the web at graceandeaseproductions.com. Uh, We're also on social media. We've got Facebook groups and Facebook pages, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, the whole shebang. And then I spoke a little bit about the five phases. So if you are interested in learning what phase of event leverage you're in, um, I have a gift for your audience. If they simply go to fivephases.info, and that's spelling out the word five, F-I-V-E, phases with an S, dot info forward slash Emily, you can go ahead and pick up that download. It'll walk you through all the steps to figure out what phase you're currently in and how do you get to the next phase so you can continue to scale and leverage your business with a roadmap. Awesome. And I'll make sure that link, all of these links are um, in the show notes. So thank you so much. That five phases guide sounds so fantastic. So I'm going to make sure I get that. And I so appreciate you being here. Is there a question I did not ask that you're like, oh, I wish she asked that question? Mm, um, I mean, you did really, really well with the questions. I think right now the the status of the world is to make sure that you are leaning into the space of events and speaking because your audience right now is in dire need of the medicine that you provide and the information and the content that only you can support them with. And they're looking for you. So my request is that in the next coming year, to become more visible, to grow your business, and to reach your audience because they are waiting for you. Great closing message. I don't think I could have come up with a question that would have got there. So thank you so much, Shay. This was a delight and a pleasure. Um, And I look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.